you love your work? Do you think it's possible? Well, you're about to find out. It's time for 48 Days to the Work You Love with Dan Miller on the 48 Days Online Radio Show. Whether you need a professional tune-up or a work overhaul, this is the program for you. Now, here's your host, Dan Miller. Well, how do you get to work that you love? Just walking around in the park? Hey, just get the right degree. Polish your resume. It just shows up. Well, that's usually not how it works. No, finding or creating work that's meaningful and profitable usually requires learning some new things, being stretched, growing, breaking old habits. But you know what? You can do it. Lots of people have. More and more are doing it every day. We're hearing from them. Thanks for your notes that keep coming in. Hey, today's show, our sponsor today is Harry's. Yeah, the shaving people, Harry's. I'll be telling you a little bit more about that in a little bit. But if you go to harrys.com and use 48 days as the code, you're going to get $5 off any purchase. Great Father's Day purchase coming up here. Be nice to somebody's face. Well, I'll tell you some people who have already done that here in a little bit. Well, here's some of the things we're going to be looking at today. And I'm titling today's show, Go Ahead, Hurt Me. I'll tell you why in a little bit, but I'm serious. Go ahead, hurt me. Here's some of the questions. Is it better to have crappy jobs on a resume or multiple periods of unemployment? Good question. Then is having a Sabbath day still realistic? Where can I find work using the internet from home? Dan, how do you feel about creating a mastermind group within one industry working in the same area? I'm 25 years old and recently accepted a new position, hoping this experience would be different from my last. Turns out I'm insane by definition, since I'm just as miserable as I was before. Dan, I'm charting a new path from my comfortable but uninspiring career. Well, We'll dig into those. I have 23 pages of questions today. Obviously, I can't get through those, but we're going to just, and I'm not going to try to be speedy. You know, sometimes I battle against feeling like we need to cram a lot in, but, you know, I'm going to just go at a leisurely pace, see what we can get through. And when the 48 minutes is up, we'll stop and leave the rest for another day. Here's our quotation. Now, remember I said our theme was going to be, go ahead, hurt me. The quotation comes from Proverbs 27.6 that says, Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. Now, last week, if you recall, I mentioned a young lady had sent me a note because she was concerned about what she was sensing in the 48days.net community. Now, lots of you are members there. You know, we've got... A lot of people there who are sharing ideas and resources and moving to higher levels of success. This young lady said she didn't feel like she was being supported and affirmed for where she was. She was in a tough situation, lived in a remote part of the country, you know, had small children, some other challenges, and she didn't want to be told what she needed to do differently. She just wanted to be get some sympathy for how tough her situation was. Well, my response to her said, you know, I'm, I'm, pretty thrilled that that's the feeling that you're getting because the 48 days community is not a place where people are just going to pat you on the back and listen to your excuses and blaming other people. Now I wasn't that direct in the note, but to expand on it a little bit, I mean, that's essentially what I was saying. I'm delighted that she's getting the sense that people in the 48 days community expect you to do different things. 
Yeah, don't be insane by definition. Just keep doing the same thing and expecting different results. You're going to get pushed, challenged, and all those things. Well, I put that out to our audience, to the 48 Days community, just to see what they were thinking, to see, I mean, because I want to be sensitive to that. I don't want to be uncaring. Even the 48 days, I mean, think about it. The 48 days I came up with because I got tired of hearing people who said they were miserable in what they're doing. We create a plan of action and two years later, they haven't done anything. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. That's why 48 days is so prominent because I think that's enough time to assess where you are, where you're going, get the advice and opinion of other people, choose the best alternative and act. So when do I put a note out? And I titled it, I feel pressured rather than accepted in the 48 days community. I'll put a link in it to that in the show notes today. But the response was instantaneous as of about eight hours ago. Now that I put it up, we already have 123 replies in there. People pretty well jumped all over that. And the overwhelming consensus is, you know what? That's why 48 Days has been valuable to me. It's because it challenged me. It pushed me. It showed me new things to do, how to break old habits and go to higher levels of success. So certainly I'll do a recap of that with some actual statistics on how people rated the things that I put in there. If you want to get in that conversation, just jump on over there. I feel pressured rather than accepted in the 48 Days community, an ongoing discussion in the 48days.net community. Okay, now I mentioned our sponsor today is Harry's. What an appropriate time to jump on this. I mean, what a cool, I mean, this is really a cool Father's Day gift. Now, I got them lined up for my sons and son-in-law as their Father's Day gift. I got sets for everybody. Um, I didn't even get the discount because the discount is good on your first purchase. If you put in 48 days as your code, you get a $5 discount. It wouldn't let me do that because I've been a longtime purchaser of Harry's products, but it doesn't matter. They're so reasonably priced anyway. I mean, we're talking 15, 20 bucks for a really cool set, including replacement blades. And trust me, once you use a Harry's blade, you'll wonder how you ever survived with Bic, Gillette, and all the little cheapies out there, you know, that you get, you know, that mark up your face after one use. This is going to be different. Your, your face is going to thank you for this. You know, it's funny, I'm, I'm hearing from people like Andy Traub and Josh Brown, attorney up in Indiana, you know, who said, man, I got my Harry's, boom, love it. Getting notes from lots of people who took advantage of this deal. It, it, this is interesting. Got a note from Paul who says, Dan, thanks for your show and all you do. I love the honest and realistic perspective you offer and appreciate the wisdom you share. You recently mentioned Harry's is the place to purchase shaving products. I checked out their website and agree it looks like cool gear. Unfortunately, they don't ship to Australia. I've made contact with them, but as of yet, have not gotten that clarified. You know of another way to arrange shipping to Australia. Hey, I don't know. I have a friend here. Bring you a, a bunch of them. You know, my son is here from Kenya right now, and shipping to Kenya is very difficult. So he'll be taking it back in his suitcase. I, I really don't know. I mean, just ask Harry's about it. I'm sure they'll work with you on that. There are places where companies just think it's too complicated to ship or too expensive to ship, and they just routinely don't do that. So if that's the case, I don't have a solution for that. But anyway, for those of you who have easy access, just go to harrys.com, put in 48 days, 
is your code. Get that on the way for yourself as a Father's Day gift or for somebody else you care about. Well, our out of work winner. Now, this is going to be the last week we're going to do this. We've had for a long time now people, well, for a long time, I think about six weeks, I've had people send a notes to out of work at 48days.com with a note of, you know, what your situation is and what you're moving to. And then we select one a week as a winner for our fresh start package. It's a $100 package of 48 Days products. It has a history of helping people get launched into something new. Got a note from Catherine. She is our winner. Catherine is from Cuyahoga Falls, Ohio. I got a note back from her when I shot her a note and said, hey, you're a winner this week. She says, oh my gosh, I feel like I won the lottery. I'm so excited. But anyway, lives in Cuyahoga Falls and she says, I was unexpectedly fired from the job that I frequently thought about quitting. I'm a single mom and couldn't bring myself to walk away from a steady paycheck and benefits in a field I was miserable in to pursue meaningful work. Being fired was a blessing. My former employer doesn't realize the positive impact they made in my life. They pushed me into the deep end of the pool and helped me find my inner strength. I didn't know I can swim, but I can. Now I'm listening to your inspirational podcast, learning to live more simply, and taking the next steps toward my calling. I feel that I'm called to help other women with barriers find their own voice and power. Thanks for all you do. The good work that you do are doing will reverberate through generations as you show people how to live a meaningful life and they pass that wisdom on to their children and grandchildren and beyond. Well, thanks for your note, Catherine. You're certainly deserving of that fresh start package and we've got it on its way to you in Cuyahoga, Cuyahoga Falls, Ohio. All right, let's go. Now, here's what I want to do in the success stories today. I got lots of those, but I want to do just one particular thing just because of the time, but I've got to share this. I've got three stories about kids under 10 years old who used crowdfunding, crowdfunding, like Kickstarter, Indiegogo, those, you know, where you put an idea out and people contribute. Technically, they're contributing. They aren't investing in your business or anything, but here's three kids under 10 years old and what they did with the crowdfunding, then I'm going to give you a source where you can go and get a, a resource, get an ebook on how to use crowdfunding effectively. So I'm going to give you that as well, that link. Here's a kid, Keen Monroy. Now, you may have heard of him. He's a nine-year-old entrepreneur who blew the doors off, you know, lots of other kids with an idea and a YouTube video. His dad has an auto parts store and he took a lot of cardboard. Keen did this little kid took nine years old, took a bunch of cardboard and launched his own arcade. So he charged customers admission to play his arcade games and then had somebody that come by, bought, bought a part from his dad, saw what he was doing, helped him with a little video. The video went viral and has reached over 4 million hits now. But he was also featured in national news, has given TED Talks, and he raised over $200,000 for his college education in less than a year. Now, this was not you know some nonprofit. I mean, it was very obvious. If, if you thought what he was doing was cool, you watched his video. If you wanted to just contribute to his college education, you could. And he got over $200,000. I mean, how cool is that? Now, here's another one. Little girl's name is Martha Payne. She had a blog that she called Never Seconds, in which she posted a daily picture of her school lunch, along with giving it a grade one one to 10 and details of her day. 
Now, she started that blog to raise money for Mary's Meals. That's an organization that provides school meals in Africa. But her blog, now keep in mind what she was doing. She was raiding her school lunch. Her blog was shut down by her school's headmaster after a little less than two months. Now, again, this is one of those things, I mean, I love the way these things go because we can communicate information so easily today. So that being shut down by her headmaster, her rating the school's lunches, there was such an outcry from global news organizations that it returned stronger than ever. But she had a goal of raising $12,000, which is the price of one of those Mary's Meals kitchens, one of the kitchens that provides meals for kids in Africa. So she had a goal of raising $12,000 in her crowdfunding project. She's now raised over $220,000. I mean, how cool is that? A little girl. Here's another one. Dylan Alman. He's seven years old. I mean, most, most kids that age are just watching their parents cook for them and just begging for what they want, but not him. I mean, he famously created his own recipe book called Cracking Good Recipes and was subsequently deemed Britain's youngest crowdfunder ever when he raised 166% of his original goal in just a few weeks. Of course, he's going to be donating the money to a charity of his choice, but here's the deal. I love the inspirational model of kids who are saying, you know, we can do it. I mean, I love seeing my little granddaughters around here. I mean, we had an event here again last week, Innovate, and here's Clara selling her muffins now her first inspiration to do that she was six years old she decided she wanted her own digital camera well her mom and dad had one but instead of just saying well here it is we don't use it anymore they said no it's 25 dollars. what are you going to do to get 25 dollars? she's six years old well obviously they helped her out with some ideas and she decided she likes spending time in the kitchen so she decided she would use the help from her mom uh, seed with the cost of the materials with her own money and made muffins and then she sells those at our live events here at the sanctuary now fortunately she has a pretty captive audience and our audiences here are very generous with tips she learned very quickly i think kent julian encouraged her to have a tip jar in addition to just taking money so she has a tip jar set out there and people are very generous with that so she very quickly got the 25 dollars. but how does that teach her a different story how does something come to you when you want it? It doesn't just come out of the air. You don't just learn that mom and dad provide it and later learn that the government or the company provides it. No, if you want something, what are you going to do that is an equitable exchange so that you earn the money to get that? Well, love those stories. Now, I will have the uh, link in the notes about how to get that guide on how to do your own crowdfunding. It comes from the people at Scam Busters. I trust them. I've been getting information from them for years and years and years. But this is the overfunding guide to crowdfunding, how to overfund your project using this system. So it's really well done. I'll give you a link to do that. If you've got a project where you want to do something like that, my goodness, get in the game. You can do it. All right. Hey, we're going to go with that as our shortened version today of... We are the champions. People were doing something unique. Those kids certainly are. 
If you've got a story, just shoot it in to askdan at 48days.com or go to 48days.com link, click on the podcast link there, and you'll see a little opportunity to, to write it out there. Either way, I'd be tickled to see your success story so we can include you here in this segment that we call We Are the Champions. All right. Well, here we go. Here's the next. Here's the next question. This comes from actually Karnak, who says, "I've been an avid listener of your podcast for many years. You've encouraged me to take steps to improve my life instead of whining about how dissatisfied I am, and I thank you for that. I've written a short children's book based on what happened to me as a child and how I handled the situation. If you would be so kind, would you mind taking a look at it and giving me some advice on how to market it? My book is called Hannah Handles a Bully." By Lydia Montgomery. Thanks so much for your time. Oh, actually, it's from this. So this note's from Lydia. Thanks so much for your time and help. Uh, yeah, I checked out the book real quickly. Um, you know, nicely done. Now, when you talk about your best advice on how to market a little children's book, it's really tough to have a single little book and sell it enough to really have any kind of a significant return. Usually, children's books are written for the pure enjoyment of writing the book or with a child in mind. I mean, Joanne, my wife, has written four children's books. They're all based on the personality styles of four of our grandchildren. They're very clear in that she loved doing it. They loved having the books. They give them to their friends. We give them out. But it's never been a moneymaker, even with the platform that I have for selling books. I mean, we, it's just insignificant, the amount of money made from selling those children's books. I would encourage you to see it as part of something more that you're doing. If there's a message in there and you want to start speaking where you present that message, you know, you can speak and then have the book available as part of that. A lot of times you can do oh, what's called a specialty item. Here's an example. I mean, my friend Dave Ramsey had a little book done on teaching kids financial principles that was then part of the children's meal at Chick-fil-A. Well, they produced like two, three million copies of that. I mean, that's great and a great way to provide real value, but also lead people back to the other things that, you know, Dave is doing with financial principles where people pay significant money to get that. You have to view it as part of a bigger project like this. It's going to be very tough to have that be a standalone product and have it be really financially successful for you. Susan says, Dan, I've been listening to your podcast. Now this is a little lengthy. I'll shorten this, but he says, I've been listening to your podcast for about four years. Consider myself a fan. I'm also a fan of your friend, Dave Ramsey. I'm in favor of spending money wisely and avoiding debt. Honestly, if I had not been following Dave's principles, I could not have survived a difficult time as well as I have done. My problem is this. I've heard both of you convey the notion that higher education often has little value. In your May 2nd podcast about time, you encouraged a young person with veterans tuition benefit to not take the time to use the benefits. While I understand that a person should not expect a degree to be a passport to a fabulous life, spending time on degrees of any level offers benefits beyond the piece of paper. Now, Susan goes on to explain how much she has benefited, how it opened up new connections, new opportunities, new job. And she says, yeah, I'm in a bit of a debt now and I hate debt, 
but I'm in a job that I enjoy more than any other, have all sorts of resources to support any business or creative ideas that I want to develop. At the very least, I wish you would tell people with tuition benefits to go ahead and check out what college may have to offer. Now, Susan, if I remember correctly, and I go through lots and lots of questions and, you know, I, I get a lot of requests. You know, somebody says, hey, that podcast you did six months ago where Joe said he wanted to sell chickens, you know, can you go back and connect me with him? Well, I mean, I've gone through thousands of questions since then. It's it's hard for me to go back. I don't do a good job of documenting even what we talk about in a particular on-demand radio show here. So it's hard for me to go back. But anyway, this is fairly recent. As I recall it, the young man who said he had veterans benefits did not have a clue what he would go back to school for. And the question was, you know, should I just go back and hang out and hope something comes to light? And I said, no, that's a poor use of your time. I don't see that working well to go back and just kind of hang around since you got a free ride and somehow it's going to lead to something of value. I see people going back to school you know, for two reasons. One, they already have decided exactly what they want to do. And then as Susan talks about here and explains well, the personal development that takes place. I mean, yes, there is value in that. But a whole lot of people go back to school because it's a socially acceptable way to procrastinate. They aren't, they haven't really figured out what it is they do well, what it is they want to be the direction of their life. So they just go back and kind of hang out. And what I see happening is four years go by and they're in the same place. So it's, you know, believe me, I I value education. I mean, my gosh, I've spent a lot of time in academic programs myself. Love the environment, still do. And I go back to to Belmont University here locally in Nashville. I usually am their speaker. They have a thing called, um, oh, what is it called? It's like graduation and beyond. But it's kind of the launching point for seniors when they're leaving school. And I usually am the speaker for that event. Love being involved in that environment. Love my own time in getting my traditional master's degree and then doing my doctoral work. So, you know, I'm not opposed to that, but... I think we need to be pretty intentional and realistic about what it's leading to. And more than anything else, you know, I hear from kids who are stuck with mountains of student loan debt and they have a degree with no marketable skills and no clarity about what it is they really want to do. That's a sad kind of ending to that story. So I, I, Take, take your input with a grain of salt. Yes, thanks for your input. Andrew says, I heard you read my success story recently. I wanted to follow up, send you a free copy of the book, Do No Work. Now, that's his book. It's available on uh, Kindle. I think it's a couple bucks. Do No Work. And it's really well done. But here's the essence of it. He's not saying, you know, don't work. He's saying we need to go back and revisit the fourth of the Ten Commandments, which says, you know, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you, nor your son, nor daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any, anyone goes on. Six days the Lord made the heavens and earth and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Now what he talks about, what Andrew talks about in his book, Do No Work, is how we need to go back. The value of observing the Sabbath. Now, think about it. And I love the concept. My goodness. I mean, one of my favorite books is uh, is titled Sabbath. Um, Wayne, uh, I can't think of the author's name. But anyway, I love the book. love the idea of the Sabbath. Joanne and I love 
the concept of the Sabbath. I met recently with a pastor of a very large church here in the Nashville area. They're going to be using the 48 Days to the Work You Love curriculum starting in January. With the, when the new version comes out, it's going to be one of the, the three core curriculum that they use in their church year for 2015. But in the course of conversation, the inevitable question comes up, you know, Dan, where do you enjoy and go to church? And I said, well, we observe the Sabbath by spending the time you know, resting and restoring, sharing what we've done in the week, sharing time with friends. And he was like, you got to be kidding me. You know, I'm going to use materials from some dude in my church and he doesn't go to church. I said, no, wait a minute. I said, we're very much a part of the church. And I gave him a little overview of the things that we do during the week. But I said, Sunday, we really do just observe the Sabbath. We're quiet. We don't get up and rush off to church and teach, which is another form of working for me, which I've always always had, had done in church. We really just observe a quiet day together. And I said, when do you observe the Sabbath? And he was kind of taken back. And I said, well, now it's obvious on Sunday, you're working hard. Six services? Yeah, that's a really, that's the biggest work day that you have. And he agreed. I said, when's your day off? He said, Friday. And I said, what do you typically do on Friday? He said, I have such a long list of things I need to get done with the family on that day. I don't have time to breathe. I said, so you really don't have a Sabbath day. And he got very pensive. He says, I'd like to talk to you more about this. Now, that's just a a quick example. But I mean, Joanna and I are very intentional about how we observe the Sabbath. And I think we have lost that. When you look at what people do on Sunday, it's just another day. Boom. Yeah, you spend 58 minutes at church, then off to lunch, and, you know, then it's mowing the yard, washing the car, you know, on the internet, you know, building the next plan, showing houses as a real estate agent. It's just the normal kind of things you would do any other day. And I'm thinking, wow, how sad. When do we get that time to re-energize, to just slow down, to take a deep breath? I mean, our body needs that. It's not just coincidental that we have a seven-day cycle. I think our body biologically in its rhythm needs that as a real day of rest. So anyway, Andrew, thank you for your, your note and the book. Well done. Here's another Andrew question. This comes from another Andrew who says, uh, Dan, my wife and I look forward to the cruise in 2015 since we had such a great time on the Wisdom Meets Passion cruise. Well, cool. My mother-in-law has some physical disabilities, is not capable of working a traditional nine-to-five job. So currently she's living off the state for support. She has a college degree and has an understanding of computers and the internet. Is there somewhere on the internet where I can help her find work using the internet from her home? It just seems like a waste for her to be stuck at home and not using her talents. Yes, Andrew, there are some amazing... It's never been easier and I, I i don't see that lightly i shouldn't use that term but there's never been less of a distinct line between working in an office and working at home perhaps that's a better way to say it there are so many opportunities for traditional jobs and non-traditional jobs that you can do at home where companies are saying we really don't care if you show up here or not we don't need to you know we, we like the fact that we don't have to pay for the real estate to have a cubicle for you you know in a water cooler Work from home, all we care about is the results. So it really has been much, companies are very, very open to having people who work by telecommuting, work from a distance, however you want to call it. And even somebody with physical disabilities wouldn't be able to put in a typical 40-hour week. There's lots and lots of positions where you could work four or five hours or 10 or 15, whatever works best for you. I'll put some links in the notes for today. 
but there are a couple sites, and these are very legitimate. These are not some get-rich-quick-at-home kind of things, but Indeed.com has a long list of jobs that you can connect to. Another, there was an article recently in Forbes magazine, and I'll link to that as well, where it has the best-paying work-at-home jobs. And at Bankrate.com, they also have a list of the 10 best and real work-at-home jobs. Again, very conservative sites here, but they have jobs that people really can do. CareerBuilder.com, I mean, they've got a long list of things as well. Then then we could go into things like Guru.com, Elance, where you put out what your skills are and just work by the project for people all over the world. So there's lots and lots of things, and and certainly, yeah, I can link you to that. Golly, delighted to have you. Um, ask the question. Hey, I look forward to having you on the cruise again. Are you ready to vacation with purpose? Join Dan and Joanne Miller and a host of great speakers on the Celebrity Silhouette for the ultimate advantage cruise, the purpose and power of vital relationships. The Celebrity Silhouette embarks from Fort Lauderdale on February 15, 2015 for seven days and six nights. We hope to see you there. For all the details, including bonuses, booking information, and how you can cruise for free, go to 48days.com slash ultimate advantage cruise. What better way to kick off 2015 and give yourself the ultimate advantage? It's a beautiful day. You know, I haven't talked about that a whole lot. It seemed like an appropriate time to put it in. There's a bumper. Our buddy Pierce Mars did that little clip for us. You know, he and Lisa, probably the first ones that signed up to the cruise, they're always there. I don't talk about it much because it's just running in the background. Uh, People are. We've got more people that have already booked the cruise than we've ever had on a cruise before. And we still are way, way out from the time. But it's in February, the second week in February. Well, actually, I think it's the third week. It's the 15th through the 22nd of february 2015 we'll be leaving from fort lauderdale then on down to puerto rico san juan we love that town then on down to the island st thomas st john's down in that area and back up but it's going to be a really fun time and i emphasize fun because we expect it to be that it's a cruise you know so it's not some intense course planning we don't try to have a, a such a heavy agenda that you can't enjoy times in the port with other people who are traveling, the ship's entertainment and all that. But anyway, it'd be a fun kind of thing to do. Just go to 48days.com. You'll see information there about the ultimate advantage, that cruise that's coming up in February. Well, Kevin asked, when I was younger, I was always taught the importance of being flexible in work and trying new things. I was told that it was more important to show that you're willing to work anywhere and do anything than to do nothing and accept unemployment because it's not the perfect job. Now I have years of survival jobs, retail, call centers, etc. on my resume from the times I went back to school and times when I was working two part-time jobs because I couldn't find a full-time position, hurting my resume at every interview. Is it now better to show I'm not working and focusing on improving myself, even though it cuts my family income? Great question, Kevin. And the answer is no, it's not better to show that you're not working. Not working, I mean, there are a lot of companies who refuse to interview people who are not working. Now, it may seem unfair that they make that kind of categorical distinction, but they do. They just think that they're better off to interview people who are currently working than those who have been without work. There's a negative cycle that takes place. 
I mean, the reason, again, we emphasize 48 days is because we want to break through any time of being in between opportunities, as we call it around here, so that we very quickly get you back in the game. And if that means getting a job at Taco Bell or Home Depot or Walmart or whatever, yep, so be it. Do that. That's better than having a long period of unemployment where you're bringing nothing in because strange things happen to our mentality when we go for extended periods of time without contributing, without being rewarded for our efforts. The negativity starts to compound. It starts to snowball. And I've seen guys who lose the job, boom, on Monday morning, you know, they're instead of being out hitting the streets, getting something else, you know, they're scanning the internet for new opportunities. You know, they're looking at monster.com, hot jobs and all those where they're, you know, unrealistic uh, carrots dangling out there that would take them from Nashville, Tennessee to Seattle, Washington. And they don't want to move, you know, don't, that's a very, very poor job search method, but they, they rationalize that they're working because they're scanning the internet for jobs. But instead of being out hitting the street, talking to people, finding new opportunities, you know, gee, they're sitting on the couch watching Seinfeld reruns and eating those full bags of Pringles. Well, what happens is in that you start to feel more sluggish physically. So your creativity, energy, and stamina start to diminish and all those things just compound, you know, all of a sudden then you got relationships that are strained. Your financial situation starts to become tense. Well, those are things you want to break the cycle, get back in the game. So don't be concerned about having low level jobs on your resume. You're better off to have the time filled than to have long gaps with unemployment. That is more of a red flag. Also, I want, just want to add into this. Don't be unrealistic about the value of the resume in its entirety. It's a very small piece of the overall picture that's going to get you a new opportunity. You know, it's maybe 10 or 12% of the process. The big piece is you, your personal presentation, your enthusiasm, your energy, your confidence, boldness. Those are the things that get attention. And those are the things that are going to get you opportunities. Even if your resume says you've been working for 10 bucks an hour for the last eight years. I mean, I've seen people double and triple their income in one job move because they got their act together and went out with their head, head, head held high with the confidence that they could bring unique value to a company in a particular area. And the company they work for now has no idea what their previous pay was, nor should they. It has nothing to do with it. It has to do with what is your area of responsibility going to be in what it is that you're doing now. All right, this question comes from Jeremy who says, Dan, in the past, you've mentioned that when you were trying to grow your speaking business, you'd send a monthly piece of mail to the 30 or 40 companies that you wanted to hire that hire you to speak. I think you said that you went beyond just sending a letter, but you'd send something that would definitely be an attention getter to get front of mind awareness. I came across a post of someone who wanted to market a printing copying service. So over an eight week period, he sent a gift to eight companies that he had chosen to call upon. He only listed the first week's gift, which was a coffee mug full of hard candies. By the eighth week of getting a gift on the same day, the writer said that it was the easiest cold calls he ever made. I'm wanting to adopt a similar strategy for a project that I'm looking at doing. What are some other suggestions of memorable types of lumpy mail that would get the attention of business owners? Of course, I'd like to keep costs at a minimum, but even more so, I'd like to get the attention at a premium. 
I just reached over here in my desk. I just got yesterday a letter here that I opened up. It's from Joe Polish, who has Genius Network, and opened it and stapled to the top of the letter is a $1 bill. And he starts out, hi, Dan, as you can see, I've attached a $1 bill with your letter. Why have I done this? Actually, there are two reasons. And he goes on, boom, boom, boom. You know, since this letter is all about how you can make a lot of money in your business, I thought using a $1 bill as a financial eye catcher was especially appropriate. Yeah, I get all kinds of things, creative things from people, you know, gift cards, flowers, candy, pens, pencils, hats, mugs, mouse pads. I mean, you, you can do anything like that. Now, Kent Julian has used this program really effectively to book his speaking engagements just back to back. He's a rock star in the college and university environment, and he did it by doing exactly what we're talking about here. This process, incidentally, is called Nurture Marketing, and you can go to NurtureMarketing.com, and Jim Cecil is the gentleman who developed that term and the concept of how you do this trickle marketing, how you get things in the hands of people, your target audience repeatedly. So it creates what we call top of mind positioning for you. And you know, you can do that very effectively. That is exactly what I did. It wasn't when I wanted speaking in engagements. It was when I wanted to present my, how to be an effective leader, my management development seminar, three hour seminar. That's what I used. And that's what got me major gigs with companies like Deutsche Bank, General Electric, NFIB, Tennessee Department of Correction, and lots of other organizations. So yeah, use those things. Now, depending on your, the size of your audience, if you have 30 to 40, as I did, then you could justify a book as an example, where you'd say, you know, this really addresses you know, a concept I know you're interested in, hope you enjoy the book, or it could be a mug, or a hat, or you know, just be creative in the kind of things. I mean, we, we do a lot of personalized toffee, so it's candy, but it's personalized where we can have the company logo stamped on there. Hey, that gets attention. I mean, we've done little candy bars with a wrapper with our own logo on there so they know where it came from, but it's more of an attention getter. So doing things like that yeah, is a great way to get top of mind positioning and to reduce those cold calls down to warm friends. Great question. Rusty from Westlake Village, California. I have a property management company and was thinking about creating a mastermind group of other owners of property management companies in the area. How do you feel about creating a mastermind group within one industry working in the same area? Rusty, I think it's a stellar idea. Now, personally, in the mastermind that I have, I like to have people who have widely varying backgrounds. I like the diversity of having people, you know, who are dentists and physicians and attorneys and, you know, entrepreneurs and coaches and speakers, writers, authors. So I, I like that, but there's a rationale in doing what you're talking about doing as well. I think it's great. And the thing I really like about it is that people in the same industry tend to see themselves as competitors, but they're really not. I mean, the people who are smart in today's business world recognize the new word in business is not competition it's collaboration the things you guys can do by sharing resources as property managers will elevate the success of everybody in the group and you ought to present it as such but yeah i think it's a great idea to have a mastermind of people who are in the same industry in the same town bingo chaz says i'm currently working as a consulting forester i enjoy my work 
However, I don't enjoy the area. I'm expecting a job offer in the near future for a position in a more desirable place. The new position will be in forestry field. However, it will allow me to consult on the side. I will not need the extra income, but my entrepreneurial side is kicking in. I want to start my own business. Like most foresters, I'm introverted and worried that I won't be able to market myself well. Most of the income would come from timber sales and land management advice. Most of the consulting foresters in the area are nearing retirement, and I feel like there's a lot of opportunity. Do you have any marketing suggestions? Sure. I love the area that you're talking about. And and as a forest consultant, people aren't going to expect, you know, Robin Williams to show up, you know, somebody who's real outgoing, gregarious, social. No, they're going to expect somebody who's more scientific, more detailed, analytical, thoughtful, pensive. I mean, that's the kind of person I would want. I mean, even the guy that I have that we call our yard beauty manager, I mean, he's working on the property here this morning. I mean, I don't expect him to be, you know, jumping off the truck, doing cartwheels. I expect him to come in with a clear plan for me and convince me, you know, this is a plan that's going to add to the beauty that we've got going here. Now, the other part of what you're talking about, when you're talking about marketing yourself, it's not like you're um, selling office supplies where the company expects you to go out and make 30 calls this afternoon, knocking on doors where you've never walked in before. No, your target audience is going to be very clearly defined and very small. So your target audience may include 20 or 30 people where you can do just like we talked about in a previous question, where you can do creative things to kind of get on their radar, become a resource of information for them. So you're sending them things, not as a sales brochure, not hire me, but you know, here's something I thought you might find of interest. Boom. You send that to them. The other thing you can do when you say that most of the consulting foresters in the area are nearing retirement. Wow. You need to be buying lunch twice a week for those guys. Pick their brains, become their confidence, become trusted resource for them as well, where they ultimately share with you their insider secrets, the history of what they've done and the contacts that they have as they're moving out. You may be able to walk right into somebody's Rolodex that they already have and not have to do much new marketing at all. Brian says, I'm 25 years old, recently accepted a new accounting position, hoping this experience would be different from my last. Turns out I'm insane by definition, since I'm just as miserable as I was before. I often dream of things I would love doing, like being a nature photographer, capturing beautiful scenes of God's creation, or possibly opening a coffee shop, bringing joy to my community through an excellent cup of coffee. Both of these would require capital that my wife and I currently don't have. You see, we are following Dave Ramsey's principles to get out of school debt. And while we earn a good household income, I don't think I can do this for three more years. I lack motivation. I've gained 30 pounds since graduating three years ago. And I feel that I need to get out for our general well-being. Do you have any advice? Yes. Golly, what a great place to be in where you recognize, where you're doing well, but you recognize that it's not a good fit. You recognize being miserable. You're seeing your body screaming at you. Get out, get out before it's too late, before you're fat and stupid. Well, pay attention to that for sure. But here's the deal. You don't need to burn any bridges. You don't need to risk what you're doing now and repaying your cap, your loans. Start doing some of those other things. You talk about, you know, maybe opening a coffee shop, being a nature photographer. I mean, those are things Now, you would be surprised how little money it takes to do anything that you've described here and about a thousand other things. 
And keep in mind, Entrepreneur Magazine tells us that 67% of all new businesses being started today require less than $10,000. Now we hear about those that, gee, got $10 million of venture capital. Those are really rare. And, and those have, those a lot of times are not really appealing ideas. And believe me, when you bring in venture capital, you lose your control of the company. The people who put the money in are going to make the decisions. You become a puppet. And if you don't want to do that, if you really want to be an entrepreneur, you need to bootstrap your business by making it produce profits and then reinvest the profits. But you can do that with any idea that you could come up with. Now, here's a quick example. I had a young couple come to see me one time. They were Italian. He was working a job selling like aluminum siding and windows, you know, for Sears or one of the big companies. He was doing okay, but really bored out of his mind in what he was doing, knew that it was just a temporary pay the bills kind of thing. And I said, well, what would you really like to do? Oh man, someday I'm going to have a Italian coffee shop. I said, really? What would it look like? What would you serve? What would be on the walls in terms of artwork? What kind of music would you play? And he thought, oh my gosh, he just went right down the line. And I said, well, I want you to do a little research and we'll figure this thing out. Well, he did a little research, you know, talked to companies like Gloria Jeans and others that are franchises and looked at models like Starbucks and everybody said, ah, hey, you need between 180 and $220,000 to open a coffee shop. I said, that's all right. Don't worry about that. You know, would you sing? You know, would you work there yourself? You know, would your wife be involved with you? We just got clear on what it is that he wanted to do. We opened that little coffee house for less than $5,000. Found a really cool place right next to an Italian restaurant. Stripped down the wall, discovered an original brick wall there, pulled the carpet up. He did a splash paint treatment on the floor, got some used furniture, chairs and tables, did another splash paint treatment on that. Everybody thought it was really cool ambience, got an espresso machine and opened the door with less than 5,000 bucks. It immediately became a place with standing room only because it was such a cool vibe there and had major name people like Phil Kage and others who wanted to come there and play in the evenings. I mean, that's the way you start with something. You start with what you have. Don't be deterred by thinking that, well, we can't do that because it requires a lot of money. I'll guarantee you it doesn't. Well, and I've got a question here about uh, somebody wants to know about the fact that I talked about working an hourly job will keep you poor. Well, I'd love to unpack that. I'll come back to that at another time. And we'll talk about why I think you have to get outside of that model. And then somebody else wants to know is, you know, do you just work on your weaknesses or do you really just work where you're strongest? Another great question that could be a theme for an entire radio show is how do you do that? Personally, I'll give you a real quick tip. Personally, I mean, I focus way more on my strengths than my weaknesses. My weaknesses, I have other people come alongside who do those things much better than I, rather than diluting my time and trying to become mediocre in those things I don't do well anyway. Nah, I spend my time doing what I do well, and I would encourage you to do exactly the same. Well, we talked about, go ahead, hurt me. Remember that verse and go check out the conversation going on there. I'll put a link to that. But faithful are the wounds of a friend. Kisses of an enemy are deceitful. Well, we're doing that every week. Hey, it's an honor and a privilege for me to be part of this amazing community where I have people sharing.
sharing the best of their brains, the best of their education, all the cool things that are being done, as together we're finding or creating work that is, in fact, meaningful, purposeful, productive, and profitable. Always. You don't have to settle for less. Let me know what you're doing.